0: You're listening to the Happy as a Mother podcast. This week, I am excited to welcome Mallory Whitmore to the show. Mallory is an infant feeding tech and the founder of The Formula Mom on Instagram. Her online platform helps new parents make informed and confident decisions around feeding their infant without shame or guilt. There are many reasons why moms choose to formula feed. Or perhaps for some of you listening, it wasn't a choice at all. Our feeding journeys can be so riddled with shame and guilt, uncertainty, insecurity. And those feelings can really last and stay with us for long after we're done feeding or breastfeeding baby in those early stages. I've invited Mallory here to help us understand When someone should consider formula feeding or why families she works with make this choice or other scenarios that bring parents to formula feeding that they weren't expecting. We discussed some of the myths around formula feeding, like feeling you won't be bonded with your baby or that you're putting them at a disadvantage if they're not having breast milk and really bust some of those negative core beliefs that we tell ourselves if we do choose to formula feed. Mallory also helps us know where to start when we've got to introduce a formula, because when you go down that aisle, it can be so overwhelming. This episode is so encouraging and validating. Let's hear my chat with Mallory. Maternal sleep deprivation can be an uphill battle for moms. Moms that suffer from sleep deprivation are more likely to develop postpartum depression, anxiety, and other mental health challenges. Once a mom develops postpartum depression or anxiety, getting adequate sleep is also a vital part of the treatment plan. Unfortunately, sleep disturbances are a part of being a new parent. Babies often wake up through the night, even up to a year. If your baby isn't a unicorn sleeper, it doesn't mean you're failing. The truth is that all the planning, researching, and worry we put into a baby's sleep might not move the needle as much as we would like teething, illnesses, medical issues, or developmental changes can impact baby's sleep. And so much of that is outside of our control. When we focus only on mom sleeping, when baby sleeps, it creates a lot of stress and frustration leading to more sleep difficulties. But we don't have to wait until our babies sleep through the night to get better rest. We can plan to make our own sleep a priority, separate from our baby's sleep. Instead of obsessing over awake windows, sleep apps, and fancy swaddles, only to feel frustrated and stressed when our babies still struggle to sleep, we can carve out a plan focused on our sleep. I created a sleep plan for mom, ways to protect maternal sleep in the postpartum period to help us take back some control over our sleep. You'll learn to bust common sleep myths and create an individualized sleep plan that works for you so that you can start to get some rest again without relying on how well your baby sleeps. We don't need to wait until we're in the middle of a nighttime sleep crisis to ask for help. Instead, we can plan in advance, work towards a realistic sleep plan, and get creative about how to get restorative sleep. Planning for and prioritizing maternal sleep can set moms up for more success and protect them against and greatly improve maternal mental health challenges. Your sleep matters. Your mental health matters and you matter. Go to happyasmother.co/sleep to download your free copy today. That's happyasmother.co/sleep. Welcome to the Happy as a Mother podcast where we're dedicated to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host and registered psychotherapist, Erica Jossa. We all had expectations going into motherhood, but reality often has a different plan. Let's work together in shattering unrealistic expectations, letting go of shame and guilt, and accepting where we are on our motherhood journey. We'll pack a toolbox for motherhood with expert advice, practical tips, relatable stories, real moments, and honest conversations. My goal is to give you the knowledge, tools, and resources you need to parent more freely. However, this podcast should not replace the advice of your healthcare provider. It's time to do motherhood differently, toss out the idea of perfect, and enjoy the journey. Let's dive in. Mallory, thank you so much for taking the time to join us and be here today. I've come across your Instagram page, seen the work that you do, and I think I reached out to you a couple of months back. We were in like a formula shortage. Yes. There's so much chaos and stress and anxiety, and I'm sure you probably gained a lot of followers <laughs> in your community during that time, yeah. but love the work you do
1: and greatly appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk with you today.
0: I was scouring the internet and social media and things for communities and pages that speak to moms who want a formula feed, who choose to, who have to for you know various reasons. And I learned pretty quickly that there's just like not a ton out there. No. It's a weird thing. I feel mm-hmm. like in my clients, like behind closed doors, there's some shame associated with it sometimes when mm-hmm. it's especially not our choice. Right. But yeah, the work you're doing is so important. How did it come to be? How did you start to build this platform?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my oldest child, my daughter, is six. And like most parents in the US, I assumed that we would breastfeed. And so I did all the classes and I knew where to find support. And I read all the research and I was like, yeah, we're doing this. And then it became obvious so quickly from a health standpoint, both my mental health as well as her physical health. She was not gaining weight that the breastfeeding situation was just not working for us. And so, you know, I'm type A, I was like, well, I'm going to figure out how to formula feed that. And we're going to do it and we're going to do it well. And I quickly realized that I couldn't find any information that felt like it was supportive and research based and meant for parents who wanted or needed to formula feed. Everything that I was finding basically was like, don't do it.
0: Mm. And I
1: was like, this is funny to me because there's just a wide array of resources if you're a breastfeeding or pumping or nursing parent. And I couldn't find anything. And I was like, that's unfortunate. And I kind of sat on it. And then when we had our son three years later, I was like, it's been three years. Certainly something exists. We decided to formula feed him from the start after the trouble that we had with our daughter. And I still couldn't find anything. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I know I am not the only one that has these questions that wants to find a community that feels guilty, that doesn't know really basic information about like, how do I pick a formula or how do I make it safely or how long can it sit out on the counter? And so after having that experience, talking with friends, becoming sort of the de facto formula mom in my group of friends, Mm. I was like, I need to make this official. I need to make this official because there's a real need here. And so I got certified as an infant feeding technician and then launched my page. I also did some contract work for a formula company for about a year and learned a ton there as well. And that's how the formula mom started. It's fascinating to me
0: how, you know, we solve these problems out of our own stories. And I always Mm -hmm. talk about how my experience with postpartum depression, and anxiety as a therapist created this platform. We just see a need and want to have an impact in that area. Going into Certify as a feeding tech, like when Mm -hmm. I think about having feeding issues postpartum and I think about the people who I was maybe recommended to or plugged Mm -hmm. into when I was nursing and breastfeeding, are lactation consultants, like are there more feeding technicians like you out there and how do they differ? How do we find you?
1: Yeah, it's tough because most feeding technicians work in a clinical setting, either at a hospital or a doctor's office or in a milk room, uh, in a donor bank, things like that. So typically milk technicians like myself are not consumer facing outside of the clinical setting. So Mm. it's not something like a lactation consultant where you can like look up a directory and find someone to help you with formula feeding, which is really unfortunate. And I think that that needs to change given that the CDC says by six months, 75% of families are using formula in some capacity. I mean, it's huge numbers. And so by and large, most folks are going either to their pediatrician for questions and pediatricians are generalists. They typically don't have a lot of formula-specific training or information, or they're going to lactation consultants, some of which are very formula-friendly and have done a lot of research and have good knowledge and are supportive. And some of them are not. Uh, Some Mm. of them are very unfriendly to formula-feeding practices and Even that can create a lot of additional shame and guilt from folks who are reaching out for help, who want help and are basically getting shut down and turned away by the feeding professionals that they've been told to go to. So that's another reason why I created my platform online is because I knew that parents in various spaces around the country aren't able to find people in person necessarily to talk them through these challenges.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And as a feeding technician, practically you, is it like help develop like a feeding plan of sorts with the family mm-hmm. or what is it that you do with the families in like a hospital setting or NICU setting?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So working in concert with the dietitian and the other clinicians on the team, making sure that whatever the baby's eating is appropriate for the baby according to their medical needs, making sure that the calorie count is appropriate, making sure that it's prepared safely and correctly, that the right baby is getting the right milk. And then also doing parent education about how to keep their baby safe related to their feeding. So making sure that it's prepared appropriately, that they're following food safety rules, that they understand how to make the calorie counts appropriate, all of that sort of education piece.
0: Okay. Okay. Fascinating. So like I work with moms in therapy. Mm -hmm. And so I say that to sort of set the stage that I work with often like a skewed population where they're coming to see me because they have maybe negative feelings about their feeding journey Mm -hmm. and choose formula or are forced into formula not by choice for those reasons. Mm -hmm. So I sort of disclaimer that to say that I don't have a lot of experience with parents who opt to do this, you Mm -hmm. know, proactively for their mental health and have like really great experiences around it. And I have friends in that space, you know, Mm -hmm. but a lot of what I see behind closed therapy doors is moms who have this really romanticized ideal and vision of what this feeding journey and experience is going to look like, Mm -hmm. right? And, you know, with myths, I'll say beliefs, but really myths that, you know, my body is just going to know how to do this. And my baby's just going to know how to latch and we're just going to fall into this, you know, feeding dynamic. Mm -hmm. And when it doesn't happen. Or when baby is premature or when our milk doesn't come in or there are tongue ties or the slew of other reasons that can get involved here. You know, we're sleep deprived and our mental health is at a critical state that we need to consider flexible feeding. Mm -hmm. There is so much emotion that comes up. Do you get that from your community as well? Do you sense that there's... Absolutely. Yeah. It's very emotionally charged.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I personally did probably 10 months of therapy after the birth of my first, truly after she turned a year old. And I realized like, wow, I have some deep seated grief and trauma about how this all unfolded. And so I'm such a big fan of folks recognizing that that grief that they may feel around how their feeding journey happened is worth unpacking in therapy. I think sometimes I hear from folks and they feel like it's trivial that it shouldn't be a big deal or that you know their baby's healthy and thriving so that's all that matters. And really, I don't think it's talked about enough that this is a real area of grief and trauma for some people. And you know, like you mentioned, you're also you're hormonal, you're recovering from a major medical event, you're not sleeping, everything in your world looks totally different than it did a week ago you know some of those coping strategies that you might have had like exercise that you can't use anymore it can be a perfect storm for some mm. people when you have this mismatch of the expectation you had and then you know the reality that you're facing so yes absolutely i see it all the time with my followers and in my platform as well and you know having lived both sides the coming to formula unwillingly with my first with a lot of pain and a lot of grief and then with my second choosing to formula feed as a proactive step for my mental health. It's been great interacting with people who are in sort of both of those camps because you're Mm -hmm. right, some people choose to formula feed and some people end up there and it was not at all what they thought or wanted originally.
0: Yeah, it brings me back to being a first time mom and this real perfectionist, A-type as well, very perfectionist. Mm -hmm. You know, when I take on a challenge, I do it well and embody, you know, what I want to put out there in the world. And found myself in motherhood, like floundering and drowning and not knowing and being a novice and feeling inexperienced Mm -hmm. and feeling like I knew nothing. But really feeling a sense of like, I'm going to do this right. Mm -hmm. Air quotes. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I wish I could tear that word up and throw it out and light it on fire. Oh, I know. But like in my mind, it's like, I'm going to rise to the challenge of what it means to be a good mom. And I think in our society, it's really – Portrayed as breast is best and Mm -hmm. breastfeeding and breastfeeding in public, and there's all these campaigns. And, like, I mean, that's great. I did breastfeed all of my babies, Mm -hmm. but in retrospect, it was at a cost of my mental health. And if I was to do it again, I would have a flexible belief around feeding, where Mm -hmm. if I was starting to experience postpartum anxiety and depression, like I was again, I would supplement nighttime feeds with formula so that I could protect maternal sleep I could protect yes. my rest and sleep so all of that to say like I feel like there's so much societal pressure mm-hmm. and I really put that pressure on myself I was like I'm going to live up to mm-hmm. this like I'm going to do this and I feel like that's kind of
1: perfectionism but yeah 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 I had the same experience where I think if you come into motherhood with a perfectionist nature I had gone my whole life truly feeling like if I followed the right steps, if I did the right things, if I, if my actions aligned with what everybody told me would lead to a successful outcome, that it would. Mm. And, you know, now I know that is a false belief, but it had served me well enough in my life up to that point Mm -hmm. that it was like, but I read the books. I took the classes. Mm. I knew the research. I knew who to talk to. And then it was almost the sense of betrayal, not only from my own body, but also from this sort of societal picture at large that told me that if I just did X, Y, and Z, that it was going to work. Mm. And then being like, wait, what's happened here? And so I, I do think sometimes we do a disservice when we don't talk about all of the realities that could lead a family to not be able to breastfeed successfully. Because There are so many factors. There are so many factors that just can't be accounted for when you're still pregnant and you don't know what this other little being, what their physiology is going to be, what their temperament's going to be, what their challenges might be. And you also, you know, especially if you're a first time mom, don't know what your challenges are going to be or what your needs are going to be.
0: Yeah. Because you've
1: never done it before. So, yeah. I think we do a disservice when we act like it's possible for everyone if only you try hard enough, because that's just not true.
0: Mm hmm. And what I see then on the flip side of that, and I've been jotting them down as they come to mind here as we're talking, is what are the beliefs that form about ourselves as mothers out of this really Mm -hmm. critical time, right? So like what does not being able to breastfeed or nurse my baby say or mean about me? And these are some of the things that I hear in session that I'm not truly going to be bonded with my baby, Mm -hmm. right? That I'm failing in my role as a mother, Mm -hmm. that I wasn't cut out to be a mother. Mm -hmm. Or as you said, that my body is betraying me. Like I should be able to do this. This is within my like biology, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. That you're not trying hard enough or you're weak in some way if you choose not to. Like you're just, you're giving up. Like you're weak, you're not committed enough.
1: Yeah, you don't care about your baby enough.
0: Yeah. Right. Or like you're being selfish if you're prioritizing your own sleep in some way. And these beliefs that form haunt Mothers, for like, I'll have conversations five, seven, ten oh, years out. Yeah. And it says, if it's happening now, the emotion that
1: comes up about, you know, this critical time. Absolutely. Yeah. I get DMs from moms who will say, you know, my youngest is 15, and I didn't realize that I was still carrying mm, that yeah. guilt, shame, those beliefs those lies about who I was as a mother until I saw this post and it made me cry mm-hmm. 15 mm-hmm. years down the line. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, all of those things that you mentioned, those were absolutely things that I thought and felt mm-hmm. and it's so damaging when you're a weekend and you're like, I have already messed this up mm-hmm. to the point of no return. Right. You know, I mean, it's really hard to climb back out of that once you've already decided because of this one particular area, not going the way you thought, that the entire experiment is a failure, essentially.
0: Yeah. And I think that even before we get into the practicalities of like formula versus breast milk and how do we introduce it and how do we do that, it's so important for us to acknowledge this piece because it's gonna potentially be a mixed bag of emotions, isn't it?
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: It's gonna be, like you said, grief and loss for some. It's gonna be, you know, potentially like doubt, doubt in ourself, doubt in our decision. And I think that in this time, finding your safe people to talk to who understand the situation, who understand you, who you trust their advice rather than, you know, like strangers on the internet and discussion boards and things that can really mess with you in such a vulnerable time. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: I think that we can both be grieving the loss of something and working towards acceptance yes. and working towards embracing what this reality looks like yep. for us. And we might not be thrilled or mm-hmm. we might be like either way. Often the clients I work with, as I said, aren't thrilled and we move forward and we acknowledge that we've got complex emotions about this.
1: Yes. Yeah. That was a big part of my journey. I felt simultaneously so much grief and so much relief. And then I felt bad about the relief. Mm, like yes, I shouldn't feel relief. If I feel relief, what does that say about me? You know, all of those things we just talked about. And so, yeah, a big part of my journey was learning to live with both of those feelings that, you know, one didn't negate the other.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's difficult. It can be for sure.
0: And you know what? That in no way – Are these thoughts and beliefs about you true and like you are not failing? Mm -hmm. And the fact that you are even listening to this podcast episode or troubleshooting or doing these things shows your commitment. Mm -hmm. There are so many ways to bond with our child and build a secure attachment that go far beyond nursing and breastfeeding, right? And. We all are going to like stumble Mm -hmm. in our motherhood journey, especially at first when we feel so like we're free falling and Mm -hmm. have no idea what we're doing. So I just say that to say to anybody listening, like we got to like have some self-compassion and push back on those beliefs. We can't accept them. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: we're just going to reassure you now that that is just simply not the case. And we know how bonded and committed and, you know, absolutely like in love you are. You're here and, and protecting and caring for your child just in seeking out information like this. So yeah. All right. Now that we got that out of the way, <laughs> such, such an light. important piece. Uh, you know,
1: <laughs> shoot the breeze, yeah.
0: <laughs> but it's like, gosh, so needed mm-hmm. for this topic. But I'm so curious because I personally didn't go down a formula route and I wish I had. And, you know, I would again if that was mm-hmm. ever to happen. But I'm curious. So like if someone is finding, okay, baby's not latching and we're scrambling and we're already learning so many new skills mm-hmm. at the same time, like, What do we even do? Where do we go?
1: I remember having
0: like Nestle samples or so, like some Uh brands like sent samples in my cupboard. And I was like, do I go
1: there? Like, what do I do? You know? Absolutely. And that was my experience, right? It was like two weeks postpartum. It was like 9 p.m. I was standing in the formula aisle. I was sobbing because I was like, what do I do? What do I do? I didn't want to be here, you know, feeling all of the weight of all those emotions in Kroger at 9 p.m. Yeah. And so Mm -hmm. first, I always encourage folks, especially first time moms who are still pregnant, to at least think about your formula plan. It's better to have a plan and to not need it than to later need it and not have it. I think sometimes the breast is best conversation feels a little bit like abstinence-only education, where it feels like, well, if we don't teach about it, if we don't learn about it, if we don't have access to resources about it, then we won't do it. Mm. When in reality, the data shows that that's just not how things unfold. And so I always encourage folks, even when you're pregnant, to just think about, you know, if that were to be part of your story, what's important to you in a formula? What ingredients might you want to avoid or include? Is it important that you can pick it up at the store? Would you like something you can get on Amazon that comes on subscribe and save so you can sort of set it and forget it? Start to narrow down those sorts of priorities when you still have some mental space, because obviously that baby comes and it gets a lot harder. That's not possible for everyone. That wasn't possible for me. Mm. So if you find yourself newly postpartum, or, you know, three months in and your milk is drying up when you've gone back to work, and you're like, where do I start? The good news is that the majority of infants are going to tolerate what I call a standard formula, which is lactose-based intact milk protein. This is going to be, you know, your typical, it won't say gentle, it won't say sensitive, just a standard formula. You go, you pick it up. The good news that a lot of folks don't realize is that every formula on the market is going to have the same macronutrient and micronutrient profile. Mm. The FDA requires it. So from a, you know, what's better or closest to breast milk sort of vibe, you can't Mm. really go wrong. Your baby's going to get the same nutrients, protein, fats, carbs, vitamins, and minerals, no matter what formula you're picking up off the shelf. You can't make a wrong decision in that sense. Outside of that, then it just comes down to personal preference. Are there certain ingredients that you prefer that the carbs come from? Or, you know, are you hoping that it's in a liquid form versus a powder form? That stuff's all preference biggest thing, though, I want folks to know is that you're not going to go to the shelf and pick up a bad formula, you're not going to go to the shelf and pick up a formula that's poison. You know, I hear that a lot Mm. folks think or say that they've been told formulas poison, because a lot of times Mm. you look at the ingredients list, it's a bunch of stuff that you can't pronounce. But those are just the scientific names of the vitamins and minerals. Mm. So that's my biggest thing, whatever you pick up. Is fine from a nutrition standpoint, then it's just a matter of, do you feel good about the ingredients and does your baby tolerate it? And then you can tweak from there.
0: It's really interesting how you say it's kind of like we approach it like abstinence, where we don't want to condone it. So we don't mm-hmm. teach about it. And I feel like what that does is sort of sets these feeding dynamics on like a continuum of morality, like what is good versus bad, right? Mm -hmm. So we've got breast is best. So like we're good if we're doing this and formula is bad. And when we get like really polarized and all or nothing in our thinking in that way, like especially if we're struggling with postpartum anxiety Mm -hmm. or are really sort of rigidly perfectionistic, it's like giving formula feels like a failure or like we are just – Doing something bad to our kid, like we're so convinced that it is like an evil thing that we're so Mm it feels life or death in that moment. We're so activated and stressed out by the thought of
1: giving our child formula.
0: And what you're saying is like, like listen, like these are just the scientific names. Like, (laughs) yes, it's
1: just vitamins and minerals. And truly, you know, you will never hear me say that formula is equivalent to breast milk. You will never hear me say that formula offers everything that breast milk offers. There are some especially bioactive components in breast milk that formula just can't replicate. But from that nutrition standpoint, macronutrients, micronutrients, formula is equivalent. Mm -hmm. And these are rigorously tested through clinical trials and longitudinal studies that will show that your baby will grow and thrive the same way,
0: Mm. the same
1: way. And I wish someone would have told me that. Yeah. It's easy to think if I give formula... That my baby's at this huge deficit, mm. either you know intellectually or related to their health outcomes, or our bonding, or whatever. And the research just doesn't support that being the case.
0: Mm. I think that that's another one of those beliefs. Hey, like, what does this say about me, or what does this say about my child? That like I'm already, like you said, putting them at a disadvantage, or not mm-hmm. not setting them up with the best skills or whatever mm-hmm. that they need in life. Yeah, that's a big one. And you're talking about how they are comparable and not comparable. So this is just a really curious question from my perspective. Yeah. In which ways are formula and breast milk the same? And in what ways
1: do they differ? And are they critical differences or are they (laughs) not, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. That's one of the big questions that I had. And so by and large, they're very similar. And that's because formula is specifically formulated to be as similar to breast milk as possible. So even things like, you know, the percentage of calories from fats, essential fatty acids is the same as breast milk, including the percentage that's palmitic acid versus linoleic acid. I mean, it's very specific in terms of how it mirrors the composition of mature breast milk. One of the challenges is that breast milk, as we know, is dynamic. It changes as your baby gets older. It changes if they become ill. You know, you produce more antibodies, things like that. Formula doesn't have that option, at least at this point. Mm. So the template that formula uses is sort of an average of what we see in mature breast milk. There are some formulas that are, say, more similar in composition to colostrum that you might want to use if you're formula feeding from day one. It has more whey protein, a little bit less lactose, things like that. All this to say, there are some very, very smart scientists that have spent the entirety of their life's work making sure that it's as close as possible. Mm. Some of the differences that we see are things like stem cells, immune factors, antibodies, hormones, those sorts of bioactive components exist in breast milk, and they can't exist in formula. And that's really where a lot of parents get tripped up. Mm. And they're like, well, I know those things are really great. I know, you know, that breast milk contains tryptophan and, you know, it's a hormone. It makes you sleepy. It's what we get with from Turkey, right? After Thanksgiving Mm. and formula doesn't have that. And so maybe my baby's not going to sleep as well. What I always like to remind parents is that all of those bioactive components that are in breast milk and not in formula were also present in the maternal bloodstream during pregnancy, So it's not like your baby gets it or they don't Mm. if you breastfeed versus formula feeding. Those are all those same goodies that your baby was bathed with in the womb, all of those stem cells and hormones and immune factors. And so maybe they're not getting it in infancy, but it doesn't mean they've lost out on it. And the research shows that there are some differences about formula feeding versus breastfeeding outcomes, particularly around things like ear infections. And the stat that a lot of parents will hear is that formula fed babies are twice as likely to get an ear infection. And that's terrifying as a new mom. You're like, I don't want to do my baby to ear infections. But a lot of times what you don't hear is sort of what the total risk is, which is that it increases your risk of ear infections from 2% to 4%. Mm. So you're like, yes, that's twice the risk. But the overall risk is still 96% that your baby doesn't get an ear infection, no matter how you feed. Mm -hmm. And so there are differences, some of them are statistically significant like that. But on the grand scheme of things, they're not super meaningful to the day to day life or the long term outcomes of how your baby's going to be.
0: And like, it's such a a valid point that like, yes, it's double as likely, but it's 96% not likely. Right. And I think that in retrospect, and I guess it's easy to say in retrospect, but in Mm -hmm. retrospect, or if I had another, even if my baby was like going to have an ear infection and that was an outcome, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: having a healthy mom who is not mentally unwell or needing, Mm -hmm. you know, like intervention or inpatient treatment or, you know, like in the scheme of risk that we're talking, an ear infection is treatable and we can roll with it versus a mom who isn't functioning, you know? And so I think when we get on this like black and white, it's good versus bad. And we, Mm -hmm. we put it on these polarized, as you said, ends, we lose the nuances and the gray and the ability to really critically think through What is important here, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's not like our baby lacks their own immune system. It's not like our baby lacks their own hormonal, you know, like system in their little bodies. Like, what is our responsibility in these moments? And a lot of times we always default to putting baby above all else. And I know we do that and I know why. But if we are not well, then our baby won't be well because we we need to function and we need to take care of ourselves.
1: Yeah. And I, I totally agree. And you had mentioned a concern that a lot of parents have that I had about bonding, mm. about feeling like, okay, I have to breastfeed because I want my baby to be bonded. And we've been sold this set of beliefs that certain actions are going to guarantee that our baby is securely attached, you know, Mm. whether that's breastfeeding or, you know, baby wearing or having the golden hour or, you know, co-sleeping, like all these things. And if you don't do it or if you sleep train, you know, whatever, that somehow your baby's going to be, I don't know, insecurely attached. Yeah. And I know for me, until I stopped trying to nurse and pump for my daughter, I was not able to bond with her. Mm. I mean, she would cry. And instead of feeling... Responsive, I felt resentful because Mm -hmm. I was like, oh no, she wants to eat again. And so, yeah, I think sometimes we miss the forest for the trees where we think, okay, if I do this action, she's going to be bonded. And I ignore the fact that because of my emotional state related to this action, I cannot bond with her. I do not have the emotional vulnerability to be responsive to her in this moment because my emotional needs were so heightened, it was like fight or flight.
0: Oh, yeah. You're dysregulated all the time. Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely. And so I talk a lot about that on my page of like, don't do something for your baby that ends up costing more than it benefits. Like, yes, those benefits are there. But if it's costing you so much to provide those benefits, it's no longer beneficial in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Like how to prioritize. I think that when it comes to perfectionism and anxiety, like these things feel so critical and we get so Mm -hmm. sticky brain and tunnel vision on them that we can't step back and see the bigger picture here. And our wellness and our ability to not like thrive and enjoy our role, even Mm -hmm. just like survive on like a functional level. Yes, yes, functional. You Mm -hmm. know, so important. And so I think that being able to massage that sticky thinking or that rigid expectation to have some like flexibility to it and be able to Mm -hmm. step in and out of maybe if I'm sick as mom and I'm really sleep deprived, we supplement with a little bit of formula during X, Y, Z times, like you said, making that plan in these circumstances is when we would, you know, introduce formula or for this time and I don't know, just intentionally thinking it through versus clinging to this standard.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I wish that there was more of a discourse around supplementing and combination feeding. I think part of that black and white thinking that we've discussed is this either or piece that like you either breastfeed until you absolutely cannot take it for one more minute, or you lose every last drop of milk, and then you default to formula. When in reality, a lot of women and families successfully do both Mm -hmm. from the start or at some point. And for a lot of families, adding formula means that they can continue their breastfeeding journey longer than they would have if they tried to do it exclusively. You know, it provides that balance for a lot of families. It takes some of that pressure off. It means that their partner or their caregiver, whoever, can do some of the feedings so that they don't need to pump five times at work. They can pump three And there's really not a lot of discourse around that that I hear about that both of these things can coexist, Mm -hmm. that you can get the benefits of both, um, and that that can allow you to move further on your goal if Mm. breastfeeding for six months or a year is what you ultimately want.
0: I really love that. Like I'm all about the shades of gray and the compromises Mm -hmm. that we can find and how can we take these polarized, rigid, as you said, black and white expectations and massage them to work for us in our family mm-hmm. rhythms and routines and system. Right. And I think that if I were to have a fourth, which I'm not, but if I were, <laughs> if I were, mm-hmm. I would like approach it from a combo perspective mm-hmm. so that it could still maintain some sense of self and autonomy and some yeah. protect some of my sleep postpartum and some of those pieces, but then also try and nurse. And that would depend on baby and it wouldn't mm-hmm. be guaranteed to us, but that would be – The plan, you know, Mm -hmm. in that situation. So I wanted to circle back to one thing that you were talking about in terms of Mm -hmm. attachment and sort of we're sold this attachment parenting perspective right now, which Mm -hmm. is like proximity, co-sleeping, nursing, baby wearing, as you said. And I just want to drive home that attachment is not formed or founded by one one tip, one trick, Mm -hmm. one moment in time. Yeah. It is a back and forth relationship that unfolds over time that cannot be narrowed down to any singular behavior. Yes. It's more about how you show up day in and day out over the duration of time with a child or your partner or whoever yeah. than it is about these isolated choices that we make. Mm-hmm. And so how we roll with those choices and how we you know engage with and attune to our child Far outweighs any singular decision
1: that we could make. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think so many of us that feel like we have failed believe that there are certain things that you must do. And if you can't do them, that it's a point of no return Mm -hmm. as it relates to your relationship with your baby or as it relates to their ability to bond. When in reality... Exactly what you said. It's, you know, your responsiveness day in and day out, which does not have to be at 100% all of the time, Mm -hmm. even. I think the statistic is like 50 to 60%.
0: Oh, yeah. You You can get it wrong. You can get it wrong half the time,
1: totally. Yes. And your baby can still be securely attached. You know, Mm -hmm. of course, we all shoot for more than that, but it does not have to be 100% in order to get it right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I appreciate that little piece that you said because it's so true. And I think. A lot of folks don't realize that.
0: And how our relationship with our little humans is not so fragile that if we make a mistake, it will shatter. Yeah, I like to think of it as being like a rubber band or an elastic. Mm-hmm. Like if we make a mistake, it kind of gives a little pull. It stretches it yeah, out. You get some tension. You yeah. know, and then it comes back. And it's not so fragile that, again, mm-hmm. these isolated decisions or things that we choose could totally rupture it. And then we learn when we get like toddlers, preschoolers, school-aged kids, <laughs> that there's all kinds of ruptures and repairs that happen and, yep. you know, yeah, all of that. So laying that out to say for anybody who is listening that this one choice, this one moment, this one thing does not define your relationship, does not, not shatter all. your bond, does not like foreshadow anything mm-hmm. in your relationship. Right. And there are so many other ways that we build that attachment.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. I feel like I could talk to you all day long. I'm enjoying (laughs) and getting to know you more. Yes. So for those who are listening, and this is really resonating, and this is exactly where they're at and they're struggling, Mm -hmm. where do they go, broadly speaking? And also, where can they find Mm -hmm. you
1: and your resources? Yeah, absolutely. It's such an individual journey, so it's hard to give blanket recommendations. But I'll tell people what worked for me, which was... Mm. As you had mentioned earlier, identifying the people in your life that are safe to talk to about this and knowing that for some people, it might not be your spouse or your partner or your parents or your in-laws if they have strong feelings about the sort of breastfeeding versus formula feeding discussion. Mm. And that can add another layer of grief for some people or another layer of pain. So find those people in your community that you can talk to and feel like you won't be judged. About this. Number two, what was helpful for me was doing my own sort of research, looking at what the high quality research says about breastfeeding and formula feeding outcomes. One of my favorites is the book Crib Sheet by Emily Oster. Mm-hmm. It has a whole chapter looking at long term and short term outcomes, and you'll come away with it being like, actually, this is not as serious as I thought mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of what the research says about it. Number three for me, therapy, counseling, medication was also a part of my journey that was really helpful, helping to work through some of those feelings of grief and shame and also learning better how to sort of hold both the gratitude that my baby was thriving with formula and the grief that it wasn't what we originally wanted. Therapy was really helpful for me in that. And then also just realizing that I wasn't alone. And that's really where the formula mom comes in, Mm. uh, both for me and for others, you can find us on Instagram at The Formula Mom, also on Facebook and Twitter and TikTok and all those others, or at theformulamom.com. And I've got a variety of free and paid resources to help you figure out formula feeding and feel confident and successful while you do it.
0: Yeah, I feel like there's this practical step of we've got a. To- get the troops in order, figure out the feeding, troubleshoot it. Often it comes up in urgent times. But then I think that there is that longer work, as you said, after of like, really take the time to unpack what you've ingested about what this means to you and your ability to be a good mom, you know, air Mm -hmm. quotes, as it gets sort of portrayed to us. Because that work is important for us to free ourselves and be able to move forward and not carry that grief and loss with us, as you said. So absolutely, thank you. Thank you for being here and sharing your story with us. Thank you for having me. And we're going to link all of your resources and communities Perfect. in the blog and show notes so that people can find you easily. So awesome, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. If you are navigating formula feeding, are struggling with breastfeeding and want to learn more about formula feeding in a non-judgmental informational way, check out Mallory at the Formula Mom on Instagram. The content that she puts out there has been so reassuring for the moms in her community. If you are struggling with grief and loss around breastfeeding, if it didn't go according to plan or your choice was taken from you, If you feel like your body has betrayed you or any of these really complex emotions, I encourage you to seek out the support of a therapist and unpack this hurt or potentially traumatic experience. If you're located in Canada, you can head to happyasamother.co slash wellness to book a free 15-minute consultation with one of our specialized mom therapists. For international listeners, head to postpartum.net where you can search Postpartum Supports International Directory of Maternal Mental Health Providers. I'll see you right back here, same time, same place next week, where we are being joined by board certified pediatrician, Dr. Whitney Caceres, to discuss how to handle when our baby is fussy, both ways to troubleshoot what might be going on with them, but also how to manage our own irritability, overwhelm, anxiety that boils up when our baby won't stop fussing or crying. Trust me, if you have navigated those switching hours or tried everything imaginable to get your baby to settle just to feel like you want to collapse into a pile of tears, you want to listen to this episode. I'll see you right back here, same time, same place next week. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for the resources or links from today's show, or you need a refresh on anything we've talked about, visit our show notes. You can find the link in the episode description, or you can head directly to happyasamother.co slash podcast. To join the Happy As A Mother VIP list and be the first one to know about new episode drops, insider info, or freebies, head to happyasamother.co slash newsletter. Until next episode, Mama, I want you to know... Keep showing up, you're doing an amazing job.